Good evening, everybody. Thanks for joining us at Liberty Station. And uh, as we do with every broadcast, we explain Liberty Station. You see, Liberty Station, the idea is liberty is doing what's right and freedom is having choices. And you can't, yeah, you can't have freedom unless you exercise liberty. And Liberty Station is where you board the freedom train. And I, 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 I've so enjoyed, I mean, this has just been a, 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 an endless line of wonderful guests. And this is like the the uh, the icing on the top of the cake. Uh, I, I love this man who's going to be our guest tonight. He's just a precious brother. I've had the privilege to travel with him. Uh, I've seen him in tough situations, and he is the same in difficult situations as he is in relaxed situations. He's the real deal. And this is a man who's put it all on the line. He's fearless. Uh, he 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 contends with airlines as he's traveling. Uh, he is he, he is from day one stood in opposition to this narrative of masks and everything else. And he needs to travel and they've dumped on him. They've come after him. Uh, and then to, to stand on behalf of conservative principles. And I had the conversation with him about this a ways back and you're going to see momentarily our, 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 our guests will that he is, I'm melaninly challenged. He contains more melanin than I do. And, and we're watching that, you know, we talk about critical race theory and and when somebody stands for conservative principles, all of a sudden, uh, the the content of their melanin is irrelevant. They are all all of a sudden considered a racist, which is it has nothing to do with the content of melanin as much as it's an ideology. And and this man had everything to lose in relation to that, but has never never once wavered. Uh, and he's also compassionate. I love his heart for the Lord. When I hear this man pray, and he he talks to the Father, Papa, Daddy. Uh, you, you know, this is a man who is acquainted with spending time with the Lord in prayer. Um, yeah, well, and he's he's one of the most authentic, sincere guys in that, which yeah. I love. You yeah. know, that's my my highest value is uh, sincerity, uh, authenticity, uh, and uh, and he, he I love him all, for that. He's also got the best T-shirts around. Too. He does. Yeah, and, and the one he's wearing today. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't I don't want to keep just talking about him. I want everybody to let's enjoy him. So, without any further ado, let's welcome our wonderful guest. Are you there, brother? David Harris. I am. Good to see you. I'm so, so blessed that you were here. Guys. It's an honor. Love you both. Thank you so much for having me. Well, uh, uh, the shirt, I will support, I support, I support full facial, facial nudity. nudity. <laughs> yeah. No more diapers on your face. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Show those God-given smiles. People need to see smiles. Kids need to see smiles. And the attack on the image of God, right? We're made in his image. I think it's an attack on the image of God uh, in our country right now that so many politicians have been pushing for. I just, uh, I, I refuse to. Uh, unless it's to get on a plane, then I get on the plane and I take it off and start eating or drinking my chips. Uh, and sometimes I, I just make a game of how many times I can take a bite out of a, out of a cheese it. It's like how many bites yeah. can I get out of one cheese it? You know, just a little bit. I, I love it. But uh, I well, do as much as I can. Other than that, I'm not wearing a mask. I don't wear them in airports. Nobody says anything to me. Uh, and I try to challenge and encourage people you know, on my social media channels and friends to just uh, be bold enough. I mean, what if we if we all just stopped wearing masks? What would they do? Hey, it's contagious. It's contagious too. Yeah. You know, I was walking through a store the other day, and and um, and this is right before they lifted the mandate, and I didn't have my mask on, and somebody else that saw me nodded, ripped their mask off, and you know, and and that's that's what we need. Yeah. Now you 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 made a, kind of a career, at least a name. You already did, but the fact that you'd sit on a plane and you would have your iPhone focused on your face with your MAGA hat, um, people walking by. 
uh, you know, I mean, seriously, you've got muscles in places where I don't have places. You're a beast. And and these folks walking down the aisle see a man with more melanin than obviously I possess, I, I possess. And and you're wearing a MAGA hat and you you film them in the reaction when they pass by you. How did you come up with that? I mean, it, it, it's simple, but it's brilliant. I just felt like I had to show that uh, the opposite of what Al Sharpton and all these race baiting haters were saying, you know, I've been invited to I was invited to the White House underneath the the Trump administration, uh, I think, 10 or 11 times. Uh, And then you hear CNN and MSNBC have people like Al Sharpton on and and other race traders, in my opinion, that would say, oh, they're all getting paid, you know, or you've got people like Snoop Dogg that post the coon bunch and blast us. And then I even see somebody sent me, my sister actually sent me that my, my aunt on my dad's side, right? I've got melanin, but not as much as my dad. My dad is black. My mom is white of Irish descent. So I'm in the middle, but nobody ever looks at me and says, Hey, there's a white guy. I just don't get that. So I'm a part of the black community, obviously, but I've got the best of both worlds as my mom always told me growing up. But, uh, as being a part of the black community, and constantly seeing the berating of black conservatives and especially those that support Trump, uh, I just felt it was my duty to one, represent Trump and why I support him. Uh, And I'd love to get into conversations with people about why I supported him because I would break down the policies of why I supported him, especially as a conservative, especially as a Christian, uh, but even just as a patriot, I would share the policies on why I supported him And the amazing thing that would take place from just wearing a hat or wearing a shirt is when I did have the opportunity to actually engage in conversation with people that were open and interested, uh, light bulbs would go off. They're like, I didn't hear I didn't hear that. And I said, well, I get I bet I can guess what news stations you watch. And they'd normally say CNN or MSNBC or even ABC. And so the opportunity to actually engage in a good conversation with people, I think, is what's missing so many people are so emotionally wrapped up and stirred up uh, over what they're hearing on the mainstream media and the programming that they're getting from the mainstream media that they're programmed to react a certain way when somebody is wearing something that supports Trump. So with Trump supposed to be a racist, ma- mainstream media is considering him and, and uh, equating him with, uh, with Hitler to see a brother wearing a pro-Trump hat or something really would make people kind of, I'd have people look at me, look at my hat, look at me, look at my hat. And it was like, you know, their brain is, is uh, malfunctioning. So I, I have, I'd had good opportunity to, uh, to talk to people. And then I also got to see the, the ugliness. I remember this one time I had just landed in Dallas airport. I had my Trump hat on. I had just left the white house, just had an event with Trump. And I posted one of those videos where I was bumped up to first class So I'm sitting there in the front row and everybody has to walk by this brother wearing this Trump hat and see me, you know, and I'm just smiling. I just like to smile. I'm smiling. You got a great smile. It's very disarming. I'm I'm not down. I'm happy. I'm enjoying life. And then I realized when they all passed me that they can't see my hat now. So I just said, you know what? I'm in the very front. I need to turn my hat around so that they have a reminder (laughs) the whole trip. So Uh, I posted that video. And then when we got to 10,000 feet and we had Wi-Fi, my phone started going off. President Trump retweeted that video, shared it on his Instagram, and shared it on his Facebook. This is obviously back before they banned him. Then that trip, I landed in Dallas. And this little Caucasian lady, probably in her mid-40s, walked up to me and she said, you know, you'd look like you had a higher IQ if you took that hat off. Mm. And I said, I said, I said, what? As I'm turning my phone to hit record, 
And she <laughs> said it again, and I got the whole thing on video. And uh, I just I just laid it out. I'm like, who are you to judge somebody else based on a hat? You don't know who I am. You don't know what I've accomplished, what I've achieved. That is the classic definition of racism, looking at me yep. and then trying to judge me based on something I'm wearing or, so, or the color of my skin. It's the same thing. So uh, it, it just naturally progressed and I just kept doing it. But the feedback and response from other people seeing me do it was that they were encouraged to also show their support because there was so much hate and vitriol about trying to show your support. So I'm an encourager. And I'd, I love to uh, try to breed courage in others. And it was fun. David, you you just recently went through a, really a traumatic injury uh, and and you look great right now, but I, I know you've been through it. I mean, this was awful. I saw you you recording yourself as you're going to the hospital. I was cracking up because you look like you were doing fine, but that break is painful. Can you tell everybody what you endured? And seriously, I was, I was looking at that video thinking, this guy, he's just superhuman in some respects because um, most people would just be cowering and whining and screaming, and it, it almost looked like you were on your way to vacation or something. Well, it was funny to me, uh, Rob. It was it was funny because it was such a fluke. I went to a uh, I went to a skating rink. It was a friend of mine's birthday. He's a former NFL champion. He won a NFL champion with the Giants ten years ago. He's a beast of a man. I mean, he's just shredded. He's cut, you know. And I used to speed skate on roller skates, so I had all those memories coming back to me. And I put on the I put on the rental skates, and I'm like, I don't want to slip and fall on these rental skates. So I went and bought brand new skates, and that was my downfall. Is the grip on those wheels was so was so much more than the normal skates that are slippery, that I literally put the skates on. I got on the rink. I I, I didn't even make it a quarter around the rink. My wife sees me coming, and she goes, she's on video. She's going, oh, here comes David, and then I can feel myself start to lose my balance. So I'm like, I'm just gonna turn to the side and fall, so it's not a big deal. So that's what I did. I turned to the side and fell, but my skate did not budge. Ugh. So I'm 270 pounds. My tibia, your shin bone, it just snapped in half, literally. Oh, so I'm man. laying there. That's like I'm a laying there. Snap. I'm laying sideways so that my foot is laying against the rink. I tried to sit up straight, and my foot stayed sideways against the rink. It's like you had another joint. <laughs> There's no joints. Yeah, it was not. Yeah. It's not supposed to happen. So. I, uh, I'm, I'm cringing just guy, you yeah. describing it. Oh, that hurts me already. All right, so the, the so so so. Well, let me just oh, say this. So so this snaps. Okay, go ahead. The skating rink guy came over. He's like, "What's going on?" I'm like, "I broke it." <clears throat> Do you have any splints? He he leaves. He comes back. He's like, "I don't have any splints." I said, "Well, I know you have duct tape and cardboard." So he came <laughs> back with duct tape and cardboard, and my buddy Steve made me a nice splint. Uh, and then they picked me up, put me in a wheelchair. They said, you want an ambulance? I said, no, that's that's dumb. Just drive me to the ER. So my wife drove me to the ER. They pulled me out and they said, oh, nice job on your splint. That was a good idea. So they uh, x-rayed it, spiral fracture, snapped right in okay. half and broke the bone in my ankle. Waited till about 10 o'clock that night. And they put me into surgery. Wow. Now you got rods and all that. Are you the bionic man or what did they do? Yeah, yeah, I've got a titanium rod uh, that goes all the way down the middle of my tibia, and then it's screwed in the top of my knee. They went in above my kneecap, and then all the way down to my ankle. So well, the next serious. six weeks after that, they had me on Percocet and Valium, and I don't remember Christmas. I don't remember New Year's. 
like like a few weeks ago, I was looking for a pair of shoes, and my wife goes, "Why don't you wear your new shoes you got from Christmas?" I said, "What new shoes?" <laughs> <laughs> it was Christmas all over again. She brings out this brand new box with these brand new wow. shoes. They're like, "Oh my gosh, I love them." How's it feeling now? Uh, it still hurts. Uh, it takes a while for bone to grow when you're over forty. Yeah. You know, kids, they you know they 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 regrow things in half the time as adults. So I'm going through physical therapy and just I, I got to stay off it. I can't stay on it a lot. I went to CPAC and spoke at CPAC last weekend. I guess that was a week and a half ago. And uh, by the end of the day, and I wasn't even walking around all day, but it, it just hurt to get out of there. And I had to try to get out of it before I beat the crowd before Trump got done speaking. Did did adrenaline take over at the skating rink? Because honestly, when you were videotaping, you didn't look like you were in any pain. I mean, you, I mean that's a shattered bone. Uh, and... And and you look just calm as you're filming it. You're like laughing at the situation. Was it adrenaline that just took the pain away? What happened? He's a when did it kick yeah. in? He's a specimen. That's what happened. Yeah, I know. I think I think it was adrenaline and God's grace because Amen. again, I was when it when it happened and I was laying on the floor, I started sweating profusely, and I and I started getting so dizzy. I I was about to pass out. I was fighting to not pass out because I knew nobody else knew how bad the break was. And I wanted to be able to tell them to make sure they get the splint. When they first made the splint, it didn't go all the way down to my foot. So when they tried to roll me up, my foot still stayed sideways. I said, no, no. And that's when it hurt. That's when it hurt, when it was going the wrong way. If it was straight, it ached. And there was a lot of pain there. But it wasn't like so unbearable that, uh, you know, I don't know. And again, I was just laughing at the whole situation. I was like, are you freaking kidding me? I I didn't even mean to. I, I probably didn't have to fall. I was like, I'll just fall to the side so that I don't make it worse trying to catch myself from falling. And my leg snaps. Ugh. Never broken a bone in my body. And your tibia and is your strongest bone in your, your tibia is the second strongest bone in your body next to your femur. Yeah. Did you, uh, did you have any nerve damage or any residual? I mean, obviously the rod in your leg, but any nerve damage long lasting or no. is that? That's good. No, I can feel enough. everything. Thank God. All right. Well, I'm glad you're up and running. I, I, I have to admit, I don't know that I watched any of your episodes. If you were drugged up, I, I maybe I should go back and see if they were kind of fun. Or did you take a break from them? It'd be like Nancy Pelosi. We'll, we'll call you and report back to you how they were. So you, <laughs> I, I took a break from my podcasts. I did make a few videos from the bed, uh, and they were meant to be funny because I told people I'm on drugs, but. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I paused until uh, till just this week. I interviewed President Trump this week. Uh, I've got some other amazing interviews coming up. So my podcast, the David J. Harris Jr. podcast, is back in full effect. Awesome. All right. Now, I, I want to get into, because you just recently uh, in, interviewed President Trump. I want to get into that. Um, but before I do, I, I think this is probably important for a lot of folks out there because, you know, Percocet's not easy to get over. And I remember when I ruptured discs in my back, and I I had never taken a painkiller in my life. And my wife drove me to the hospital. I was sitting in the back seat of the car like a dog because it was the only position where I could even function. I crawled until I could get a wheelchair. I couldn't even sit in the wheelchair because of the condition of the rupture. And and they they hit me with morphine. And and I remember when I got hit with morphine, they injected me with it. I thought at that moment, if everybody was on morphine, there'd be world peace. It, it was, it was I, I, immediately pain was alleviated and the like. 
And then as I went through recovery stage um, and, and started using Vicodin, I got addicted to it. And I was eating that stuff like candy. And it was no longer about the back pain. It was about, you know, the elevation that comes by an opioid. But then you start to realize the ROI, the return on investment isn't there because where it, where it picks you up, it leaves you further behind than when you started. And, and life goes on without you. And you're almost like put in this animated state that is not reality. And, and you think you're accomplishing great things and you're superhuman but it's it's just stealing tomorrow for today. And then whatever it elevates, you crash as much. And I remember coming off it and, you know, you want to you're crawling out of your skin. Uh, you, the depression is unbelievable. Did you experience any of that or, or are you working through that? Because I, I know folks out there across the country with this opioid crisis, with fentanyl is the only thing in this hyperinflation that's going down because it's flooding our border. Yeah, it's let, folks, let, let folks know um you know, this is something to really be careful with and explain how you kind of process that if you would. Well, a couple ways. One, uh, I'm an ex addict. So I, uh, you know, in my drug days, which are, you know, a dozen years ago or more, I almost overdosed on crack cocaine. So from alcohol abuse to drug abuse, I have a history that I am aware of that I need to pay attention to because I'm an extremist, right? I like to go yeah. all the way. And uh, if you're going to do drugs, you know, hey, I mean, that's I never shot anything up, but smoking crack is pretty close. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's an extreme drug, right? It's an extreme, a very expensive one. But um, so I have a history of that that I was aware of. And then coincidentally, probably just a month or two prior, my wife and I had taken our motor coach on a trip and we watched uh, we watched uh, that movie, the, the, the TV series with uh, Michael Keaton, um, dope, sick. dope Sick. And it yeah. actually exposed the opioid epidemic and how the FDA approved it and how the entire thing was based on lies and how it got yep. millions of Americans hooked on this legal drug uh, called Oxycontin. And yep. so we had just watched that. So when I was in the, when I was in the, the ER, when I was in the, the hospital, um, I actually saw some of the the very same illustrations that they exposed in that series Dope Sick as far as pain tolerance, right? There's like five little faces and one is a frown and then it's kind of a frown and then it's mediocre and then it's not and then a smile. And they would use that as a measure on how much oxy to give their patients. And they said the whole thing was based on lies and just trying to give people more than they needed. And if they said that they they uh, could still feel the pain, just give them more. So yeah. I saw that very chart. I saw the exact same chart that I'd saw in the series on the wall in the hospital. I said, do you guys still prescribe Oxy? And she said, oh yeah, yeah, do you want some? And I was like, no. And then she said, well, we'll give you Percocet. It's 10 milligrams of Oxy and then it's 3325 acetaminophen. And I said, I said okay, I'll, I'll try it. Um, but I was aware ahead of time. So yeah. once I got in, it was about six weeks after my surgery that I just realized I was not coherent. I just, I think we were having work done that had been scheduled for our house and the guys that came over, uh, I asked them if they'd seen the video of, of me breaking my leg. And this is about six weeks after the surgery. I asked them if they'd seen the video and they said, yeah, you showed us like seven or eight times already. <laughs> and I said, I said, okay, all right, I, I, gotta get, I gotta get out of where I'm at right now. 
Yeah. Uh, and yeah. the pain was was more bearable. So I stopped taking the Valium first. And then I slowly weaned myself off the Oxy. I started breaking it in half and taking half of it. Um, so I understand it, it, w- it could have been easy to try to stay there. But I also had a surgeon that said, look, if you think you're going to need, you know, these prescriptions past a certain date, then we're going to prescribe you a pain doctor to make sure that you get off of those painkillers. So yeah. that helped as well as not having somebody that was just trying to push prescriptions and sure, just keep refilling them. But uh, but I knew I, I knew I was playing with fire. And then so I knew I needed to get off. So I weaned myself off even before the doctor told me to. Um, but as far as battling depression, if anything, I battled to being depressed just cause I've been sitting on my butt most yeah. all day with my leg up, yeah. not able to go hardly do anything for the last three months. Well, you're back in the saddle and this is a good segue because I mean, you hit the ground running I and mean, you interviewed, uh, president Trump, uh, tell everybody about that. I mean, I, I've had the privilege to meet him. You've had once, and it was a brief, I think eight minutes, uh, nice guy engaging. He looks at you. Uh, and, and he asked, you know, probing questions. Uh, he's attentive. He's sincere about his inquiries. Uh, I, 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 I found him to be genuine. Uh, now, yeah. that was a brief interaction with him. Like I said, eight minutes. Uh, but you've had chances to really sit with him and, and get to know him as a person. Um, tell us a little bit about that. I mean, uh, you, you, you kind of have a relationship with him, which is kind of unique, I would say. You had a chance to speak into well, his life in some capacity. Yeah, it's definitely more. I mean, it's definitely more so than the average person, right? I mean, you know, most most people haven't even ever had the opportunity to meet him, let alone shake his hand or then get eight minutes with him. And yeah, I've been to the White House or events with him at Mar-a-Lago probably a, a dozen or more times, uh, and I've had the opportunity to actually you know talk to him and engage in conversation a few of those times, and I've interviewed him uh, twice. First time was about. 18 minutes and the second time just this week was about 23 minutes. Uh, I milked it for everything I could, but, uh, but it's the same thing. He's very engaging. He's very genuine. He's very sincere. He cares about this country. I asked him a question, uh, guys, I asked him a question. I said, even if the Senate, even if we take back the Senate and the house, I said, can we make it as a country till 2024 where we'll have the opportunity to hopefully vote for you? And he said, you know what, David, he said, I don't know. He said, it's bad, and you take the last, the five worst presidents that this country's ever had and add them together, and they haven't done as much damage as Joe Biden has done. Yeah. He's like, so I, he said, I hope so, but I, you, could hear, you could hear it in his voice that he's very concerned about where our country's at and where yeah. the globalists want to take this country. And if they get their way with what they're trying to do, cutting off Russia, which is forcing them into the arms of China— if they band with India and they create their own, they stop using the dollar as the global currency, the globalists will get the collapse of America that they've been wanting. Yeah, yeah it's very dark. I, I, I Did you see that meme? Uh, and I don't know if it's true. I never even followed up on it. I just saw it. And it said that the the U.S. bobsledding team named their sled the Biden because nothing has taken America downhill faster. Yeah, I saw <laughs> that. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I didn't know. I just thought it was funny. But... Um, there's two things in regards to the president that a lot of folks are confused with. And one of them, I think you you probably talked to him about it. Uh, the other one, he pointed out his support for it. And, and I'll just lay it out. The first one would be vaccines. And the second one is the Ukraine. Now, Zelenko he likes because he supported him. But I also look at his approach even to COVID <clears throat> and this fast track that he did with the vaccine 
And and I think, you know, a lot of people were telling me it's, it's a result of a friend that he had in New York who died and it really kind of frightened him. So he listened to the the advice of guys like Fauci and and what they were doing and and kind of got isolated from really the, 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 the truth that was out there. And he was probably sheltered from it as well. But then there's been a couple of times where he's he's put out this fast track on the vaccine and he's gotten booze from the audience. And it seems like he's retracted that and he's starting yeah. to realize that that's not a great accomplishment. We're not thrilled by that. Did you, did you talk with him about that in the interview? I did. I did. Actually, in my first interview with him, which was probably four or five months ago, um, I brought up the vaccine and I brought up um, the fact that people were not uh, were very concerned. And he just he he stayed with his his kind of mantra. He stayed with Operation Warp Speed. It was great. It saved, you know, millions, maybe tens of millions of lives. And and he said, you know, I got the vaccine. Maybe you got it. And I said, no, I didn't get the vaccine, Mr. President. I'm relying on and believing that my God given immunity is going to keep me safe. And he said, OK, well, great. He said, that's great, you know, for you as well. So I didn't the first interview. I didn't really get to dive in deeper. This interview I did. And it was because of the the data that the judge, I think it's uh, Matt Kiss, I believe, forced the forced Pfizer to release uh, right. of all the adverse reactions that they knew about before they got emergency use authorization. <laughs> it was 1,291, I believe, adverse reactions were reported uh, and recorded with the vaccine before they went to get emergency use authorization and push this on the American people. Uh, and then the data, and it was Yahoo. This was a Yahoo article that I was getting this from. There were several other articles uh, written by other networks, uh, publications, but uh, for Yahoo to publish this was very bold. They went on to say that there's been over 1.1 million or 1.2 million adverse reactions from this vaccine. And it lists all of these syndromes and conditions and heart issues all the way to death, uh, including, you know, women's menstrual issues, uh, babies, you know, being basically dying in the womb, yeah. uh, stillborns. And uh, so I asked him if he'd heard about the leaked footage, the leaked data uh, that that judge forced to be released. And he'd said that he'd heard about it. And then I, I read off the 1291. I didn't read them all off. I read off the, the overview details. And I said, so, you know, I said, Mr. President, while I appreciate you, love you, support you and, and trust you, I said, I don't trust the pharmaceutical companies or right. the FDA or the NIH. And he pivoted. He said, well, you know what, David? He said, you're right. He said, I know a lot of the heads of the pharmaceutical companies. He said, and I don't trust them either. I don't like them. He said, they don't like me. He said, there's definitely some been some dirty things that have taken place. So the FDA needs an overhaul. NIH needed, needs an overhaul. So uh, he said he would look into those documents. I went back to that Yahoo article and Yahoo deleted it. Oh, wow. I, scre I screen saved. I screenshot the whole article on my phone. So I was able to send that to Trump's rep. And uh, she said, I'll get this to him. So he said he was going to look yeah. into it. So hopefully he does, because I, I would love to distance him. I, I personally think that he's been he's been more focused on the fact that he was able to accomplish Operation Warp Speed, getting a vaccine in record time and just believing that vaccines have been good for people and they're helping people. That's been his focus. And he's been shielded or not been given the information on all these adverse reactions so and I, per I actually think that that's part of, you know, the, the, the deep state's plan as well. Allow, yep, allow yep. Trump to go out there and champion this thing 
And then when all these adverse reactions and stuff starts coming out, blame it on Trump. Well, yeah. that's what they're doing. They're they're that that's been a big part of their game is to point at him and say, "Well, hey, so he was all for it. Look at this." And you know, you're you're telling us that this is a bad thing. Yeah. Your guy liked it. And all of a sudden, Fauci's disappeared. We don't see him anymore. Um and, and 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 the other part of it too, you you look at these adverse reactions. We got rid of the swine flu vaccine for less than what 100 deaths. Yeah. And and you know, you're looking at VAERS, vaccine adverse events reaction site. And and if you want to do conservatively, there's ten thousand. If you want to look at it liberally and and bring in the data, there's probably twenty six thousand, and there's hundreds of thousands of permanent disabilities as a result yeah. of this. And and there and there is no emergency. This is a ninety nine point seven percent survival rate. And and wanting to hit our kids with it when they have a what point zero 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 two percent chance, it's just insane. So, David, I'm so grateful that you have been a tireless uh, defender of medical freedom and 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 you've you've stood bold and even presenting it to president trump i mean that's that's solid man kudos thank you well i was glad to hear that he was open to hear it it was interesting that he hadn't seen it yet right it's like who's not showing him this stuff right he should be that should be some of the first especially since he was such a champion for the vaccine Somebody in his inner circle should be showing him that information and saying, look at what the FDA was forced to reveal, that a judge made him reveal, that they tried to wait 75 years to reveal. Look at what's coming out and distance yourself from this. I saw one article where a Pfizer representative actually said that their vaccine did not work in conjunction with Operation Warp Speed, which I shared that with the president. And I said, in my opinion, that's great for you because it distances you from the vaccine. But then I also saw Forbes put out that the Pfizer CEO thanked President Trump for Operation Warp Speed and giving him the ability to get the vaccine out. Mm. Yeah, he's got to distance himself on that one. Yeah, well, you're you're doing amazing work there. I mean, that's 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 huge, and I'm so happy that you were able to have that conversation. Well, I, I know you're limited on time, and you've been so gracious to give us what you have. And and I I, I know you're busier than a one arm wallpaper hanger, but I just. If if you the stuff that that's really pertinent on your heart, uh, especially looking at what we're facing as a nation, and we're looking at this you know twenty thirty global reset. Uh, I mean, you're on the cutting edge of exposing this. You're educating people across the country. You're bringing unity uh, because you're speaking truth, and and you're not afraid to be disliked. And and I love the adage. I heard it from a Catholic priest: a missionary goes where he's not loved but needed. And leaves when he's no longer needed but loved, and and then I've also heard that that truth is ridiculed, and then it's violently opposed, and then it's considered self-evident. Now, where we are in that scale, um, I I love the fact that you don't waver. I mean, you've been ridiculed, you've been violently opposed, and we're coming to a place where the truth is prevailing and people are waking up. Um, do you see this turn? Do you see an awakening? Uh, is there hope in your heart, being a believer, loving the Lord with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind? Share with folks, you wake up every day with that smile that's so contagious, David. Share with the folks why this isn't over. I, I love hope because that's the great gift God has given us. We're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And and nobody presents that better. When I see you speak in front of those young people, you you immediately go right right to their heart. You have this tender way about you, and I know folks listening will be so blessed. Share with them, please. Well, for those that know our good Papa God, 
right? The father, but he loves, you know, he loves to be called daddy. He wants us to see him as the good, perfect father that he is and the tender papa that he is. Um, for those that know him, we got to get closer to him, right? He's got to be our focal point, engaging in that relationship, spending time in his presence, literally in his presence. You know, I, I, one of my, I've got to get into the secret place. Hopefully everybody has a secret place. And that's just, that's just a phrase for wherever you get alone with God and seek to get in his presence. And for me, when I turn on worship music where I can feel God's presence, then that helps me get there because it's, you know, I, I have this, I've had this thought often that if, if people like David in, in the in the Bible, in the Old Testament, or even the New Testament uh, uh, d- disciples uh, and prophets, if they had the opportunity to have a device like this, a phone, where they could capture worship when they were worshiping. Think about David the worshiper. If he could have captured the sounds of worship and had it on a device where he could turn it on anytime he wanted to, how much do you think he would have had that device on? Yeah. And yet how much do we not use it for that? We use it for everything else. Yeah. yeah. So I love to get into my secret place and I turn on, I love Bethel music. I love, uh, 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 Stephanie Gritzinger. I love Ben, uh, 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 Jen and and Brian Johnson. And that's my home church. I was, I've been there for 25 years. They're friends of mine, but there's a lot of good worship where you can feel God's presence. You know, if somebody's been at a church service and you're, you're, you, you feel God's presence in a song, bookmark that song. And then when you have time to go and get in your secret place, uh, get in your secret place and turn that song on, turn on that station. And uh, I seek to do that every day. And it's not, it doesn't have to be an hour or even a half an hour. It can be whatever time you have. But I seek to get into that place every single day because I need to be filled up and I need to be fed and I need to get his perspective on life. Yeah. If we don't have his perspective on life and on things, uh, and, and if you're not a believer and you're listening to this, then I don't know how you're doing it because literally from the world's perspective, there is no hope. There, 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 there is no order. There is no, there is no promise that your father, your creator can cause all things to work together for your good there. I don't know where you, a person would get hope from, but as a believer, as a child of the, of the King of Kings, uh, the creator of the universe, I know that he loves this country. I know he loves the people in this country. I know he loves how this country was found on. And I do not believe that he'll allow this country to go to the wayside of socialism, communism. I just refuse to believe that. I know that because I know him and I know his heart and I know he loves his kids and he loves his country. But what we need to do as his kids, as his bride, is we need to be his bride and love him back and love others back. We've got to be actively engaged in trying to speak to our friends, our family, from his perspective, from a place of love, but not be afraid to speak truth and speak yeah. truth, especially to the evils that are trying to destroy this country, like CRT, like you opened up about. Absolutely yeah. evil from the pit of hell, trying to yeah. get people to look at other people based on the color of their skin. It's evil. Yeah. It's yeah. demonic. And it's yes, something it that every single believer should understand is a trick of the enemy to breed division and contempt in the hearts and minds of individuals and even the body of Christ, the believers. It's, cr- it's crazy to me that I've seen believers, Christians that I know know God, that are either black or white, that have gotten caught up in this, this racial, you know, uh, that my image is more important, my facial complexion, my skin color is more important than who God created me to be or you to be. It's crazy that so many believers have gotten caught up in that. And if somebody has, then you just got to repent, ask God to forgive you and cleanse you from that 
And then again, focus on your relationship with him. So I think that as we focus together and as we band together and as we we take accountability for our own relationship with our father, through that relationship, he'll lead us, he'll guide us. And as we're active, moving forward, trying to speak truth in love to those around us, he'll make our path straight. Amen. David, David, you you pivoted on so many key points. And, and I'll segue because we're coming to the close, but I... I love the fact, first you brought up that we're the bride of Christ. And and as the bride of Christ, to have a governor tell us that the bride is non-essential, you know, that's mm-hmm. that's the re, that's the why and what I did here in California, standing in opposition to that. You, you don't, you, I'm sorry, your governor, you carry a lot of weight, but yeah, you, you, you don't have the ability to tell the God of the universe that his bride is non-essential. Sorry. And, and, and including with our founding documents, it's there in the First Amendment. So just back up. There's, there's no virus that merits the suspension of, an, our, of our inalienable rights or our worship of our creator. And, and then the other thing that you, you pointed out so eloquently is you were, you were passionate and loving to the point of tears for people to, to know the Lord and to have that relationship. But then you also got frustrated in the same sentence by contending with evil, but never in there did you ever consider people to be the enemy. Their ideology is. People are the opportunity, not the enemy. Their ideology is a problem, and you'll put up with them scorning you and ridiculing you, but you won't stop doing what you do, and you have that conviction because you know the why and what you do. I love everything about that, David. You You are such a picture of strength and tenderness all in, in, in one package. And God has uniquely designed you. I'm so grateful you're my friend. You bless me more than you know. And all the folks out there, if, if they don't follow you, they need to. And I really, I want to segue and say, how do they do that? Tell them how to connect with you. Because the stuff you put out is, it's researched, it's passionate, it's funny, it's uh, creative. People need to, to track you. So how do they do that? Well, thank you. And I just need to hire you to come do my openings every time I speak. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> well, it's it's sincere and honest. Yeah. I, I, I love you, David. I really do. Well, and and I liked you before, and I love you now, brother. Yeah. So this is amazing. Thank well, you for doing amen. this. Thank, thank you both. I love you guys, too. Uh, DavidHarrisJr.com is where they can find, like, my book, Why I Couldn't Stay Silent. That is a great opener for people that are kind of waking up. I think it's a great book for believers that maybe have fallen into this trap of the mainstream media programming. Uh, there's a chapter in there on my faith, Why I Believe that uh, wakes people up. And I think my favorite chapter is the one my wife put in there where she shares that when her mom was dying and hospice was at our house as she was battling cancer, she found out kind of accidentally from her aunt, her aunt said to her mom, Jeanette, aren't you glad you left the abortion clinic and had Jennifer? Oh, wow. And that's how Jennifer, my bride, found out that she almost didn't make it here. And wow. we've got two beautiful daughters now and are expecting our first grandbaby next month. So oh. my life wouldn't be the same if her mom hadn't chosen life. So yeah. that, I think, is the most powerful chapter. But you can get that book at DavidHarrisJr.com. Any of my merch there, you get that as well. My news articles, I've got an amazing team of writers. That's at DJHJmedia.com. Uh, that's uh, short for David J. Harris Jr., DJHJmedia.com. And then all my social media handles are David J. Harris Jr. So that's how you can connect with me, watch uh, whether it's Truth Social, Twitter, Facebook, 
YouTube banned me, so I'm not there anymore. Uh, oh, but uh, that, join join the club. Yeah, join the club. Yeah, you're amongst friends there. Hey, um, I'll put you on the spot. But when you're on the mend, I mean, we've had we've had James Lindsay, we've had James O'Keefe, uh, we've you know Charlie Kirk, Madison Cawthorn. Madison Cawthorn. They've come and spoken at our church. And the one person I really want who loves the Lord and has this uncanny ability to touch hearts like no one I've ever seen is you. When you're on the mend, God has you in this region of the world. I just want you to know it's an open invitation. You are always welcome at God Speak. It's yours. And I love you more than you can tell. Yeah. Thank you, brother. I would love to. I'd absolutely love to. And and, and we'll figure that out. God knows. He'll figure it out. Well, uh, brother, thanks for joining us. And and, uh, I pray God's speed in your healing. God's blessing on the delivery of your grandbaby. And uh, just keep lighting it up. You ever need anything? If I got it, you need it. I'll give it. All right. Sounds good, guys. Thank you so much. Love you. Thank you for having me. Love you, too. Yeah. See you, buddy. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. What a precious friend. He's an awesome dude. He is. Every time I'm with him, uh, my heart's full. I just... And and his smile so contagious and the tenderness. And you could just see when he presents the Lord, this isn't a gimmick to him. He loves the Lord. And it's you can tell he spends time with the Father. Yeah. And it's an intimate. I mean, this is a man, he's David Harris Jr., but you, you see his life and his testimony. God is that father that he really desperately needed. And he he sees yeah. that and has become that for his family. I, 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 I can't say enough nice things about David. He's... He really is just such a treasure. Yeah, you know, we we're, we have a um, we have a lot of empty examples of masculinity in our yeah, culture. Right? He's now. not one of them. He is not. Yeah, that guy's solid. Yeah. yeah, tender, strong, all one package. Yeah. Uh, a great blessing to this country. So, listen, folks, tune into all of David Harris Jr. stuff. He gave you all the links. Please follow this man because you'll be richer for it. Uh, I, I can't say enough nice things like I just said. And uh, we've been blessed to have him on the program tonight. We got more to come, but that's it. We, we got to call it quits because yeah. there's just no more to put in. Yeah. I mean, that's a solid night. Yeah. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us, everyone. We'll see you next time on Liberty Station. Good, Good night, night, everybody.